Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to this evening of exploring why theology needs hipsters. Karen Eckler, and serve as a co-director of the Garabena Center for Catholic Intellectual Life. And this, what we're going to enjoy tonight, I'm, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it, has become one of my favorite things that I have virtually nothing to do with every year. It started four years ago when a couple of students in Dr. David Turnbloom's Theology 105 class said, we have this idea about looking at this really well-known comedian and what he teaches us about um, theology. And then that led to the realization that everybody's a theologian. I think that's going to be on Dr. Karen Bloom's uh, tombstone, all right, <laughs> convincing people that. And what happened was someone in that audience said, well, I think that theology needs to learn from the Simpsons. And then after that program, or during that program, somebody sitting there said, well, we can learn a lot from Lord of the Rings. And it's not finding God in the Lord of the Rings or finding God in the Simpsons or finding God in uh, stand-up comedy. It's, it's taking the thing itself, hipster culture, and finding out what could people who care about big questions related to theology learn from hipster culture. So I am going to bet you a nickel, which is as high as I ever go, that you're going to listen to this program, you're going to have your eyes uh, open, you're never going to look at downtown Portland the same, I can guarantee you that, but I also am positive that somebody is sitting there and at the end of the evening, a little germ of an idea is going to start um, coming to life in your own brain and heart. You know, I think theology could have a lot to learn from Dungeons and Dragons, whatever it might be. And when that happens, please make sure that you come and uh, talk to us in the Garavena Center, and we would love to help you bring that program to life. If this is your first uh, visit to a Garavena Center event, I want you to know that we're going to be really tired at the end of February because we've got a lot of cool stuff. Uh, happening. Tonight it's hipsters. Next week it is the first Holy Cross Bishop on the continent of Africa, and we have a documentary uh, about him. Uh, that's, that will be February 13th. Then we're going to take a look at, we are going, Father Charlie and I are going to ruin the movie Groundhog Day for as many people as show up. Um, uh, we're bringing back, it's the 10th anniversary of our Bringing Eyes of Faith to Film series, and we'll be screening Groundhog Day. We have um, the West Coast premiere of a brand new opera um, that we are that we are with actual people, not watching a film of an opera, watching an opera take place in DC Auditorium, and flyers for that and everything that we have coming up are on the uh, table over there. If you're a teacher. Um, and are here just for fun. I can also offer you free PDUs and the sign-up sheet uh, for that is over there. And if you're a student who wants to make sure that your professor knows that you're here, uh, there will be on the table outside the door after the talk uh, a sign-up sheet for that. We also have three hipster-approved door prizes that we're going to give out at the end of the evening. And I hope you've had a chance to sample our uh, hipster chosen uh, cheeses 
And then, of course, Rice Krispie Treats, because who? what's not better with a Rice Krispie Treat? All right? So I think that does it for the announcements. It's my pleasure to, to keep this short and sweet, because we want to get to the content. But I am delighted to uh, bring to the podium soon-to-be doctor, Danielle Trollinger, who is a um, doctoral candidate here in the School of Education, and she is a longtime teacher of spirituality and religion, and an award-winning teacher at that, and she was sitting in the audience for Why Theology Needs Lord of the Rings last year, and came up right afterwards and said, I really think theology can learn a thing or two or three from hipsters, so let's find out what that might be. Danielle Trollinger. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> and thank you all for showing up. Um, it's fun to, to be here. Like Karen said, I was in your spot last year um, during Why Theology Needs Lord of the Rings when I had this idea. Um, and so here it is. To start, I want you to first picture a hipster. So go ahead and close your eyes. Literally try to visualize a hipster. Picture a hipster walking towards you down the street. What do they look like? How do you know they're a hipster? Okay, you can open your eyes. Now tell me, when you pictured a hipster, did you picture someone like this? <laughs> He's pretty hipster looking. Or is the person who came to mind someone who looks more like that? That's what came to my mind, a man with a bun. Well, almost, he wasn't really winking at me like this guy is. But when I pictured a hipster, I pictured a man with a bun and a craft beer in his hand with a pensive look looking off into the distance. I actually Googled that. Man with bun and pensive and craft beer. And this is close to what I pictured. Combine these two and that's what I was picturing. But what about a woman? Did you picture a woman when you pictured a hipster? Because women can be hipster too. I asked 10 of my friends to picture a hipster and only one of them pictured a woman. I didn't even picture a woman and I am a woman. Maybe that should tell us something or tell me something about who we picture when we're asked to picture someone and why. I didn't even ask my friends about race. I think most of us pictured white men with buns, but surely they're not the only ones that are hipster and cool. To find pictures that represented other race and ethnicities and their hipsterism, I had to literally Google black hipster man or Asian hipster woman, which also might be something worth reflecting on. But regardless of the images, oh, I forgot about this one. Some people won't think that Jesus was the original hipster. Um, so this could have been what you pictured. In fact, the Archdiocese of Brooklyn um, used uh, the hipster culture to advertise um, the Archdiocese and to try to get people to come back to church, calling Jesus the original hipster. But regardless of the images or people that came to your mind or my mind, a hipster is ultimately this, a person who lives outside the cultural mainstream. But trying to define the term, as I find out, found out for this talk, 
the term hipster, it's fraught with, ende with uh, endeavor. Ironically, in hipster culture, to call someone a hipster is a pejorative. It's like calling them a fraud, someone whose tastes are forced. But if they have one unifying characteristic, it is their passion and pursuit for authenticity. In hipster culture, for something to possess authenticity, it has to be exclusive, unknown, and rare, or it has to be rooted in tradition, which is why hipsters are drawn to the obscure and the vintage. Think taxidermy or fedoras um, or McMinnimans and typewriters. I personally have never been called a hipster that I know of, but I do enjoy many of the things that hipster culture loves strong coffee in sleek settings, farm-to-table entrees, eaten inside Edison Ball illuminated restaurants, craft beer sampled in breweries with brick walls, and steady stream of banjo-tinged pop music by artists whose names I can never remember. Oh, and I just sent my family a hipster gift, unconventional socks from Powell's. My dad texted me that he was wearing them one day. Um, he's a math teacher, and I bought him socks that had Einstein's face on them. And he said, rocking the socks. I said, very hipster. He says, man bun coming soon. Which is extra funny to me because he's balding. <laughs> and this part of the reason why I moved to Portland is because Portland's weird. I wanted to come here for that doctoral program, but I was also drawn to the fact that Portland is a place where hipster culture reigns. And I do believe that theology needs them. Theology, that is, our conversations and theories about God, life, faith, what it is to be human, needs them. Because hipsters hold up a mirror to us, and that mirror enables us to see what can be appealing and unappealing about ourselves and our religious communities. Let's start with the appealing. Their love for the authentic, the vintage, and the obscure can help us remember to appreciate and see the world through a sacred lens. With regards to Catholicism in particular, this is known as sacramentality. The term sacramentality comes from the Latin word sacramentum, and this Latin word is actually a translation of a Greek word, mysterium. Either can be translated as mystery. When the language of the early church changed from Greek to Latin, mysterion was sometimes translated as sacramentum. So they were used interchangeably in a way. And it is in this word that we find the biblical roots of the word sacrament. For the first 11 centuries of Christian history, sacrament was frequently used in this more general sense, referring to the mysterious plan and presence of God in all things. Gradually, specific aspects of this mysterious plan and presence, for example, think of the main sacraments in the church, so baptism or the Eucharist for Catholics. Those began to be singled out as rites and called sacraments. However, this is not the primary usage of the term. Taking the word sacrament in its broadest sense as a sign of something sacred and hidden, we could say that the whole world, you included, me included, is a, within a vast sacramental system in that material things like a coffee mug or your favorite scarf, the physical presence of a friend, a book, a rosary, a picture frame, are unto us the signs of things spiritual and sacred. 
Christian theologians have been writing about this concept and discussing it for centuries. As Thomas Aquinas, and one of his quotes are up there um, on the board, uh, he was a first doctor of the church, and he said that grace presupposes nature, or grace follows nature. Grace, in other words, the sacred gift of God's presence, is not an add-on. Therefore, a sacrament can be defined simply as a visible sign of an invisible reality. And if all reality is being imbued with the mysterious and hidden presence of God, this would necessarily imply that God can choose, and does choose, to become present to us and reveal God's self through other people, experiences, objects, the world, and universe around us, and for that matter, anything tangible, anything tangible, visible, or occurring in history. So the question is, how many sacraments are there? Well, an infinite amount, and you're one of them. But sometimes we forget to see the world and each other this way, and hipsters can remind us how. The hipsters' love and support, for example, of local farmers' markets can remind us that grace can be found in the authentic interactions that take place there. things to do is go to the farmer's market on Sunday mornings. When you're getting food from a local producer, when you're getting it from within a hundred miles, when you're getting it after it's been picked freshly that morning, it's going to be so much more flavorful. I think the greatest joy I get from farming is when people tell me how incredible that tomato is, how incredible that potato is. It's about having a relationship and taking responsibility for your food. You know the person who's growing your food. In the farmer's market, there's so much opportunity for us to really acknowledge and honor the people who grow good, clean, whole foods and bring them to us. I know when I show up at the farmer's market that the food is local, that it's good for me, and that my dollar is going basically back to the farmer who grew the food. We are helping to strengthen the local economy, supporting our neighbors. It's up to us to ensure that farmers can continue to do the work that they do and provide us with the fresh healthy local food that we all deserve. Mm. A nice jingle at the end. Um, so why I showed you that video is because hipster culture has made going to farmers markets cool again. And for all the reasons those people listed in the video, they are a wonderful way to reconnect with the sacredness of things and of people. Hipsters go for the locally sourced organic food, but they also go to experience authentic relationships. They go to ethically support their local community, but they also go to make neighborhood connections. Farmers markets are an invitation to tear down the barriers of mass consumerism and consumption that separate us from one another that divide those who make the food from those who benefit from it. Barriers that make it difficult to see sacramentally, to see the sacred. Farmers markets are also an invitation to enjoy the beauty of the earth. I love the St. John's Farmers Market. I live right by it. And every time I walk through it, I love the sights and the sounds that I see. People talking with one another, laughing, the beautiful colors on the fruit or vegetable um, tables. 
all of it, my senses are awoken when I go to a farmer's market. The taste of someone's homemade jam that they're selling, it's wonderful. And the hipster's appreciation for a farmer's market or something like that reminds us to see the beauty within and around us, to stop and look and, and experience it authentically with one another. St. Francis is a good example of doing this. St. Francis was always someone who constantly talked of the good things of the earth. He saw everything within nature and everyone as sacramental. I love that quote from him um, where he talks about sister, mother earth who sustains us and governs us and who produces varied fruits with colored flowers and herbs. He was a total hipster. But hipsters are also drawn to the vintage. Final record sales just hit a 25-year high in 2016, and it is in its ninth consecutive year of growth because of the hipster movement. Out of curiosity, does anyone in here own vinyl? Ha! Huh. All right. <laughs> Go hipsters. So when asked why vinyl, many hipsters say that it is... Thank you. So when asked why vinyl, many hipsters... Um, say that it is a resistance to the digital download culture, that it's aesthetically pleasing. They like showing their friends their records when they come over and the artwork that is on them. Um, it's also a way to tangibly touch and appreciate music, the work that an artist has put in holistically. It's a way to experience something lost, nostalgia for the snap, crackle, and pop sound that a record makes. And because other hipsters like outdated media, and it has an old-timey feel. This appreciation for the vintage can remind us to also appreciate our own deep spiritual roots, to find meaning again in the sound of monks chanting, the smell of incense at mass, the gold leaf used to, to decorate religious icons. The hipster's love for the vintage can inspire us to mine our own religious traditions for the quirkiest customs and seemingly outdated artifacts and celebrate them without reserve. We can go back and look at the aesthetic beauty of a 19th century stained glass window, like a hipster goes back and looks at the artistic artwork of a vinyl album cover. The hipster's appreciation for the vintage can help us look back through our tradition and see what artifacts and forgotten practices can be seen in a fresh way so that we might still see the hidden beauty of God, even in the outdated and the unfamiliar. Hipsters also love the obscure. Is anyone eating a voodoo donuts? Okay. How many people like voodoo or blue star? If you're if you're voodoo donut, raise your hand. Oh, blue star? Oh, okay. All right. That'll be funny later. Okay. Well, Voodoo Donuts, the famous independent donut shop, as you know, known for their off-kilter concoctions, wasn't always popular. It was once unknown and created with a countercultural spirit in mind. You can buy donuts like the Voodoo Doll Donut, the Dirt Donut, and the Old Dirty Bastard. It's purposefully bizarre, and hipsters are drawn to obscure places like that, especially at first when they are unknown. And what can this teach us about ourselves? Well, for Catholicism, 
It can remind us that Christ can be found in the obscure, hidden places of the world. Gerard Manley Hopkins, a Jesuit priest, wrote a poem called A King's Fishers as King's Fishers Catch Fire, which is displayed on the slide. And one of his most famous lines in that poem is, Christ plays in 10,000 places, reminding us that for the human person, the sensory environment in which we live and with which we are apparently wholly familiar is through and through determined by the central image and event of Christ, so that by a thousand open and hidden paths are wholly real and corporal sense experiences, our sight, taste, smell, touch, bring us into contact with that central point. It also brings us to the poor, those that are on the margins or removed from society. Catholicism reminds us that Christ will always be hidden in the poor and that he is with us, especially when we are with them. Where the rest of the culture doesn't look, we can look and see Christ there. We can look and see grace most clearly. What a beautiful reality that hipsters help us remember. However, to be sure, the hipster culture and their pursuit for authenticity through the vintage and the obscure can also remind us a thing or two about what can become unappealing about ourselves and our religious practices. To demonstrate this, let me first show you a video. <clears throat> The Trailblazers? Please. I mean, I like basketball, but that name reminds me way too much of colonization. <laughs> is fair trade enough? Right? And, like, is there anything fresher than farm? A dog, but he actually identifies as a cat. I like food dogs like back before it was a thing. Absolutely, yeah. I don't even eat donuts anymore. Well, I eat, like, Dunkin' Donuts, but, like, ironically. Right. Shits are just way too popular now. What is legal, dude? I just wish I could live in a mason jar. Protected. I love downtown. You still drink coffee? I don't drink coffee anymore. It's too mainstream. I just go to the roaster and suckle the beans. <laughs> That's a good song, bro. Decolonize. Thank you. Construction is destruction. Construction is destruction. Construction is destruction. Yeah, I like soccer, but I can't support the Portland Timbers. It's like, that's just propaganda for deforestation. Honestly, this is a good start. These need to be whiter and greener. Read a blog about the evils of corporate America? Oh, so true. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> college. Yeah, let's wait till Bernie makes it free. Wait, if everything in Portland is weird, is it weird normal? <laughs> When I was preparing for this talk, I watched that video by myself like 10 times laughing. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, so what they're saying in that video is 
hipster, there's a reason why hipsters can seem insufferable. <laughs> and a part of that becomes when we start or try to be, when they try to be countercultural for the sake of being countercultural. Um, and I'm trying to get the slide. Come on, work with me. Okay. Thanks. Okay, it works. Um, and essentially there are two main things. I'm going to show you another video in a second, but the two most unappealing parts of hipster culture is when they use it and the taste of hipster culture like fedoras or loving vinyl or whatever as a marker of their identity as a way to distinguish, to distinguish themselves from other people. And their identity becomes caught up in its differences from others. This is who I am because this is what I am not. And this is the antithesis of what we talked about earlier, of sacramentality. It's the hipster phrase, oh, you've probably never heard of it before. Or the mentality behind a statement like, oh, I liked voodoo donuts before they were cool. Um, any Portlandia fans will appreciate this next clip. seen this clip? Okay. Yeah, I see a little, you're, you're smiling already, you know. So, looking at his pals, right, and so he cuts it open, it's a war. <laughs> oh, come on! No! <laughs> well, I can summarize what the video is for you. If it doesn't work, but we'll try one more time. So, looking at his pals, right? And so he cuts it open. It's a war. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not wanting to cooperate. Um, basically, essentially what that video clip, clip shows is this guy sees a guy like that in the in his favorite bar and once he sees him he's like oh no you're here then this isn't cool anymore it's over um, and he goes around walking throughout downtown Portland seeing people start to adopt things that he thought were special um, about him like seashell art making seashell art and then he sees a guy who looks different than him or who represents more of the cultural norm making seashell art and he goes oh it's over and he does that with a bike bicycling, everything. So the point is, right, he's saying, oh, it's over automatically for a, a reason that really isn't a good reason. So when the pursuit for authenticity and love for the vintage and the obscure becomes excessive, this is when hipsterism is unappealing. When the focus shifts on documenting authentic moments on Instagram versus enjoying them and experience them, experiencing them with the people next to you. And what was on the slide before, which I'll go back to, that's not it. Um, is this is actually an Instagram? Uh, Hipster Barbie has her own Instagram, and it's run by people who just mock um, sort of Instagram pictures that you would see of hipsters um, trying to post their authentic experiences or their tastes or whatever on Instagram, and they mock it by by doing that with a Barbie. Um, and.
When material things like fedoras or tastes in funky, unknown bands become excessive identity markers or as a way of being exclusive, um, this is when they start to become unappealing. And this unappealing aspect of hipsterism can also be an unappealing aspect of ourselves and our religious institutions when religion and the material objects within are used as excessive identity markers, particularly of who is religious or who isn't religious enough. An example of how this is happening in the church, and Pope Francis has talked a lot about it, there's a book out called The Benedict Option. And this book essentially says that the answer um, for people who are religious today um, is to protect yourself from society. Um, This idea that anything that comes from culture must be the devil's work. And so the answer um, for a religious person is to go as far away as you possibly can from culture, which prevents us from seeing the beauty that is there. And Pope Francis also warns against this. In many of his apostolic exhortations, he talks about groups of Christians who have an obsession with the law, an absorption with the social and political advantages, an over-concern with the church's liturgies. He says, some Christians give excessive importance to certain rules, customs, or ways of acting that appears to subject the life of grace to certain human structures rendering the church fossilized or corrupt or a museum piece. In other words, an appreciation and love for the vintage doesn't mean much if it doesn't move us towards a spirit of love. He warns against a narcissistic and authoritarian elitism that shuts the door to God and a truly transformative reception of the gospel. Most strikingly, he labels these behaviors as contemporary manifestations or of the ancient heresies of Gnosticism and Plegianism, which, what exactly is at stake here, though? That's my question. What is at stake? Why does Francis devote his time addressing so much of his time addressing such dangers posed by ancient heresies. In many ways, there are two sides of the same coin, these heresies that he's talking about. For contemporary forms of Gnosticism, the temptation is to reduce Christian holiness to a set of abstract ideas detached from the flesh. Such an approach makes individuals incapable of touching Christ's suffering flesh and others, locked up as they are in an encyclopedia of abstractions, As Francis in many of his encyclicals rightfully points out, this is somewhat attractive in that a strict and an allegedly pure faith can appear to possess a certain harmony or order that encompasses everything. Ultimately, however, this approach fails to engage the messiness of real life, the suffering of people at the margins, and the fact that God is a mystery that cannot be domesticated even in our religious practices and that God is a mystery that cannot be understood easily. God infinitely transcends us. God is full of surprises. We cannot box God in. So when people say something like, I go to church to experience God there in the Eucharist, that's wonderful. Because we want God, we want to hold God in our hands. And that, especially for Catholics, is what the Eucharist is. It's holding the mystery of God in our hands and consuming that mystery. But if it doesn't help us see God in the world after we leave the church, then it has become an idol and is no longer a sacrament. Just like vinyl or a fedora or 
a specific taste in music for the hipster can quickly become an idol when it's used as an excessive identity marker or a way to exclude other people. So too for the Christian, the material things within our tradition can also become idols and no longer sacramental. Like the hipster has an appreciation for materiality, bikes and antique glasses and knitting, we too are called to appreciate the material within our own religious traditions, like the bread and wine of the Eucharist, holy water, rosaries, but also the beauty of the material world around us, a child laughing, a lover's gaze, a cold glass of water. But again, when only these things matter, we go too far. God often reveals God's self in images, experiences, words, objects, people, as well as other visible realities, but will always remain more than that. Anything else is not God, but merely an idol and can be used to isolate people from one another and ultimately from love itself. Theology needs hipsters to remind us of the most appealing and unappealing aspects of ourselves and our religious communities. Let's end with the best, though. At its best and wisest, Catholicism is shaped by the conviction that grace lies at the root of all reality. The Catholic conviction is that if one sees what is there to be seen, one will discover grace, the sacred, the gift of God's presence, the love that undergirds all that exists. If we only but look, we can find God in all things. Hipsters remind us to open our eyes and look. Thank you. Well, I, I get you some